Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, dear GeoMob podcast listener. Very excited about today's show because I have someone here who's representing a project that's kind of a kindred spirit to what we do at GeoMob. So as those of you know that have attended a GeoMob or listen here on the podcast regularly will know, we try to feature, of course, wide diversity of geo projects, of course, startups and businesses and, and the big players, but but also the weird and the wacky. So projects from hobbyists, uh, projects perhaps with no clear business model, but projects that are done out of a love for, for doing cool things around location and geography. And, and that brings us to today's project, which I think we have a lot of overlap with. My guest today is Mike Dolbo. He's the CEO of Geo Hipster. Mike, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself and tell us exactly what GeoHipster is. Great, great. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. You, you did a great job pronouncing my last name, too. Mike Dalbo. You know, that's that's a name that does not get pronounced very how, well, very how often. So, so good job on that. That's, you know, Dolbao. You know, it, there's all kinds of different pronunciations, but uh, it's Swedish, so it rhymes with Volvo. So I think, you know, folks in, in Europe okay. tend to pronounce it a little bit better than, than others. So, but, uh, but again, thanks for having me. I'm a public sector map and spatial data guy by day. You know, that's my that's my day job. And by night, uh, so to speak, I, I dabble in a couple of different projects. GeoHipster is, is one of them, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a collaborative effort that was started by Atanas Enchef back in, in 2013. And I incorporated it as a business, an independent business in 2016. And as you know, we, we publish articles about things that are unique and interesting in the geospatial industry. Usually long form interviews with individuals who we invite to tell us about their works and quirks for, for lack of a better phrase. Occasionally we publish an opinion piece, but but mostly we focus on the on the individual long form articles. And I definitely feel kindred to what you were saying earlier with no clear business model because one of my favorite things about GeoHipster is essentially there's there's no rules. There's very few restrictions or or repressive guidelines on our on our model compared to government work it's it's really incredibly open-ended ended which which i really like so you know if you added up if you paid all our volunteers fairly we would not be a profitable business so it's really a collaborative effort you know just because it's incorporated really does not mean that it's a money-making enterprise first and foremost it's really about getting people together and exposing interesting things and uh, well, people well, let, let's get right into the meat of it then. Like, what what makes something geo hip? Is geo geo hipness an innate characteristic, or is this something everyone in the geo industry should be aspiring to? Or what what is it? Oh, that's a good question. You know, like I said, there's no rules, right? That that's so hipsterism and and irony kind of go hand in hand, and, and they don't really they defy explanation, they defy rules. We've asked the question to just about every interviewee that we've had over the years, we've asked them, what do you think a geo-hipster is? And everybody has a different definition. So a lot of people seem to have a definition that's similar to my personal one, which, you know, it's constantly changing. But right now, I think of a geo-hipster as someone who's, you know, not afraid to try new things, get outside their comfort zone, get outside of their bubble, uh, hopefully someone that can laugh at themselves and embrace all the wonderful 
ironies that are out there in the world. It, to me, it's it's really funny to see serious debates about things like file formats, like the shape file, or or debates about proprietary versus open software and open versus uh, proprietary data, things like that. There's a lot of ironies in there. There's a lot of ways to laugh at ourselves. And so that, to me, is what defines a geo hipster. But it's it's something that defies real je- definition. I, I don't think I don't think people should aspire to become a geo hipster. I, I don't think people should try to be cool, right? I, I think that's uh, just be yourself, and you know if that means break a mold or two, maybe you'll end up on our website one day. But we're not going to promise that or anything like that. <laughs> Why are you working on advanced topics like file formats when we haven't even resolved whether it's longitude, latitude, or latitude, longitude? Exactly. Don't you, don't you feel like the core should be, you know, without a solid basis, how do we even go forward? That's exactly so. the kind of thing that that I like to laugh about, you know, is those are the kinds of things that, that we joke about in our industry and are things that we can laugh about the irony of of things like you know latitude longitude just rolls off the tongue but that's y comma x and most people think in terms of x comma y as they would with any sort of cartesian coordinate maybe, system maybe you need to host a, a serious debate series <laughs> yeah yeah representing I mean, both sides it's just really kind of one of those things that our industry really appreciates and oh by the way we have to remind everyone who ever touches it who's not a a geographer, you know, if right. they're doing any sort of API programming or something like that. Oh, by the way, you take a look at this and and uh, no, you don't need more than five or six decimal places in a lat log right. coordinate because it's just ridiculous, you know, depending on which neck of the woods you're in. The, my favorite solution to that problem I've ever seen is someone smashing the, the, the names of the columns together. So a column was labeled X long and the other column was labeled Y lat. And I thought that is brilliant. Just, just get it, get both those things right on the table, so it's very clear to the person reading it that, oh yeah, the y coordinate is the latitude coordinate, and and those are the kinds of things where that's just a great solution, and to me that it defines sort of the creativity that is inherent in our industry, and creative folks lots of times are what you might call a geo hipster. Well, as someone who actually runs an API where people have to put in things in, in latitude, longitude format, I can assure you no solution cannot be messed up. I mean, I've seen people submit coordinates where one is in decimal and the other is in degrees, minutes, seconds. But, yeah. but that's an aside. That's an aside. <laughs> but um, that's the kind of thing we laugh about, right? And, <laughs> and, and being able to laugh at yourself, I think, is, is a key quality of, of geo-hipsterism or hipsterism in general. But again, I wouldn't recommend anybody tries to, to, to aspire towards those qualities, just be yourself and, and have fun and, and try new things. So so what kind of people are you trying to profile or, or maybe take us through some of the one people who have been profiled or, or give, give us some examples? Yeah, yeah. Again, I think ultimately it boils down to being unique and and interesting, hopefully, hopefully both. A lot of it depends on who our authors want to interview. And we've got several authors, yourself, Atanas. Jonah Atkins uh, does quite a bit of work for us as well. He's our creative director. So if they want to interview someone, they find those people. They get them to agree to volunteer their time and share valuable advice with the audience. I think that's that's what it's all about. Some of my favorites have been folks that you know I've discovered through Twitter and still follow on Twitter nowadays. Uh, Gretchen Peterson 
She's a cartographer a lot of us know and, and respect. Tobin Bradley, he's, he's a guy who works in North Carolina who was, I've followed him on the internet for a really, really long time. He's always got unique things to say. He was one of my favorite interviews that I did myself, but there's been dozens that have just been really, really interesting. The most recent one that Jonah did, I can't remember the name of the woman, uh, but she made maps with trash and uh, just, oh, just nice. amazing, just amazing art and uh, and really unique. And I, I think those uh, those folks really exemplify what we're looking for. But each of our authors, you know, folks that write the questions, they have a different set of criteria of what they're looking for. So, you know, while I'm looking for X, Y, Z, they might be looking for ABC. And I do, I would say that we find people on Twitter a lot because I, I feel like that's a place where bubbles are broken. And that's where you see unique ideas. Unique ideas come to the forefront. And, and I do less interviews nowadays than I used to, but you know, I still haven't run out of, I have a long list of interviewees that I want to do and I still have not exhausted it. Well, I think that's the dirty secret of any type of format like this, be it Geo Hipster or, or here on the podcast. I mean, essentially, it's just a tool for to get to talk with interesting people. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, absolutely. It's a vehicle. And, and, and learn and, from and them. It's, yeah, and it's one that, you know, I think what's what's different and unique about us in terms of sort of our niche is that we not only talk to people about, you know, technology and and things that they've done that they like and, you know, trends in the workplace and stuff like that. But we also try to get to know a little bit about themselves and their personal hobbies and what makes them unique as an individual. And I, I think our readers like that. It, it's not everybody has an interesting hobby, but almost everybody does. You know, I think cartographers and geographers are people that are oftentimes Renaissance people by nature. And so very frequently they have something else they want to talk about. That is really cool. Right. It's really neat to hear about those things. Right. So so let's get into the details of one of the main creative outlets of GeoHipster. And we're recording this so now in kind of the middle of December of 2020. But by the time it comes out, this should, should be, if all goes to plan, our first episode of 2021, um, which means people will be reaching for their new calendar to hang up on the wall. Um, and of course, every year at GeoHipster, you produce a calendar. Uh, explain, explain the GeoHipster calendar project for us. How does that work? Yeah, yeah. So um, this started in 2014 with with Atanas when when he was really the sole leader of the the Geo Hipster website. He solicited maps for a 2015 calendar that year, and we've done it every year since. I can't remember when I took over. I think I probably took over for the 2017 calendar. Basically, it's just an open contest of of map submissions, and our advisory board votes on which ones make it in. So we have five, six, sometimes 10 people voting on it. Bill Dollins runs that process now. And once the maps are decided, Jonah and I work to finish it into sort of a, a calendar product. And so, like you said, when people hear this podcast, it'll be the first month of 2021. And hopefully hundreds of folks are out there hanging our calendar on the wall. How I mean, how many submissions do you get? You know, what what kind of badge of honor is it to get into the Geo Hipster calendar? Uh, it depends. Uh, it's been a little bit different every year. That's definitely a secret I don't want to expose. So that's something right, that okay. I think it is a badge of honor. No, 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 that's okay. I think it is a badge of honor. I can tell you that most years we get a lot of really, really good maps, making it very difficult to to pick. So, so yes, it is a badge of honor to get picked for the calendar because you've been chosen 
amongst many maps that are art, their information, their cartography, they're, they're all of those things rolled into one and they're very unique. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to, to see it every year. And this year, you know, I say it every year that this year's is the best years, but, but this year really just kicks it up a notch. I was really glad that I was able to include 14 maps in this year's calendar because there's a back cover as well as a, a front cover. So when I saw that our print on demand vendor, Lulu, when I saw that they let us include, you know, 14 maps, I was, I was super excited because I thought, wow, this is, this is the year that we need 14 maps because right. they're all so good. Well, it's interesting because I, I have the pleasure of being one of the judges and it's truly pretty amazing how diverse the submissions are like, like from complete artistic, you know, way more in the category of art and very conceptual all the way through to just very beautiful, but, but practical maps that people did for, for projects and some of them are world maps, some are super, super detailed in some specific area. And it's, it's, it's very diverse. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very that's cool. one of my favorite things too, is, is that we as, as cartographers and geographers and geospatial technologists know that, you know, the word map can encompass a lot of things. It can encompass just the, the gamut of, of all kinds of different concepts and, and different compilations. And this year just really spans that breadth. You know, there's there's a map in here that's kind of an April Fool's Day joke, which is really cool. There's a map where someone took origami and created a, a map of the world with origami and then and then it took a picture of it. And it's just it's it's amazing. I, I can't say enough about it this this year in particular. But every year, really, it's an honor to put together, and I'm super, super excited for people to be able to put this on their wall. All right. Well, well, two two obvious things we should clarify for the listeners. First of all, how can they get the map? Yeah. Um, and and second of all, for anyone who is just hearing about this for the first time, how can they how can they get their map into next year's calendar, into the 2022 calendar? What's the process? Right. Right. So, so if you want to order a map, go to our website geohipster.com. We've got several links to the the calendar purchase page from there it's in the menu it's in the sidebar so there's lots of different ways you can do that our vendor is lulu.com l-u-l-u.com so you can search for geo hipster calendar there and, and you should find it technically anyone can submit a map to us by emailing it to maps at geohipster.com anytime really but we put a call for submissions out each fall, usually in early September with a deadline of, of late October. And that gives us time to vote and compile it before November. Last year, we started a tradition of releasing the calendar on post GIS day, which is another one of those fun in jokes for our field. And uh, we want to keep doing that. We, we did that again this year. And that seems like a really great day to release. Well, the and we should we should mention that it's, of course, marked in the map in it the is. calendar. It is marked in the calendar. And and the calendar, that's another unique thing about the calendar is it has a bunch of really interesting quote unquote holidays marked. There's no traditional holidays marked, but there's a lot of days that are marked with quirky things that really apply to to us and that we care about post GIS day being one of them. And if you want to know what the other ones are, you've either got to check us out a little bit on Twitter or order one for yourself. I should mention that every year when we update our sort of our main page about the calendar and say, okay, it's available for sale here. 
we keep the rules of the contest and sort of the call for submissions below that. So if you want to submit something in April, you know, all you got to do is follow those rules that are in there and uh, we should be able to consider it. I'll tell you though, we don't really monitor the email address for it until fall ramps up. So best thing to do is if you want to get into the calendar is watch our, our Twitter stream, watch our website, all of our blog posts also post up to Facebook as well. So you can find us there and watch for that announcement. And then you can you can get all the details and, and submit from there. All right. Well, I heartily encourage all geo mobsters out there to, you know, get fire up the old computer and start making a map or or the get your art supplies out or let the artistic muses take you wherever wherever they direct you. I guess I guess another obvious question, what what kind of what geo hip uh, New Year's resolutions you got? Like how do you stay hip? I mean, anyone can be hip for one year. I mean, right. uh, you know, it's quite demanding to stay at the cutting edge of hipsterdom for Years. I mean, are you, uh, you know, this year, are you going to be taking all your coordinates with the sextant or what do you, what do you, um, what, what's at the cutting edge of geo hipster for 2021? Well, that's a good question. I definitely will not be using a sextant any, any, anytime soon. I think I still have a, a compass around the house somewhere. One of my favorite things that I saw recently, again, on Twitter was this woman who made a world map out of, I, I want to say like thread, you know, it, it's like, it's not a quilt because it's three dimensional. I, I know what you're talking about. I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really amazing. Cool. Really cool. Yeah. 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 And, and as soon as I saw that, I retweeted that from the Geo Hipster account and said, you know, those are some organic vertices, folks, because that's kind of our tagline, you know, mapping the world one organic vertex at a time. And this lady did it, <laughs> you know, and, and whenever I see stuff like that, things that are creative, things that are unique, things that you haven't seen before, uh, new techniques, new technologies, people taking things into a different direction. That's what gets me excited. I know that I also personally have limits on my time and, and what I can do. And so I do try to try something new every year in my job and my technology. I think I think it's always a good New Year's resolution, right? Try something new. You know, it might not work out, but it's, that's the way to learn. I mean, I, I learn by doing and Keeping on top of any technology space, anything in the tech industry requires constant learning. And I do that by trying new things. So this year, I don't know what I'm going to try that's new, but I think it's going to be using Mapbox a little bit more as a base map, probably within QGIS. I've already tried that a little bit, but I think I need to dive in a little bit more to get the base map out of Mapbox to look the way I want it. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for me to start trying or using Jenkins for automated deployments. So that, to me, I know is tried and true for a lot of folks. Nothing new for a lot of folks, but it's new for me. And it does kind of make me feel like I'm earning some geo-hipster. Well, that's the important point. It's, it's, not about, it's not always about being at the cutting edge. It's about what you personally pushing your boundaries. So. Right, what, right. Um, what, what have you learned in running running Geo Hipster as a business in your role as CEO for any all the aspiring listeners out there who are plotting to make their own geo media businesses? What learnings can you share? Yeah, well, I've learned that we I've learned some basic economics lessons, for example, which is funny because my oldest son is is getting really into economics and really crushing all those basic concepts that I probably should have consulted with him when I first 
uh, incorporated the business. But an example is a few years ago, I, I really underpriced the calendar. And I thought, that's okay. We'll make it up. We'll get higher sales because it's a lower price. But that was a uh, assumption that did not come true. You know, uh, demand for our calendar is relatively fixed. I mean, we've got probably somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people out there that that like our calendar and buy at least one for themselves and, and maybe some for others. But reducing the price by a dollar does not translate into another 1,000 sales or 2,000 sales or anything like that. So so I figured out pretty quick I needed to price the calendar in order to, to recover our costs. And, uh, and I do that now. So um, it wasn't what I'd call a weird lesson, but just a, a good one to go through. The weirdest experience for me is having doors open for me by by doing this work i've met really amazing people i've participated in really unique events all because back when atonis asked for some help with geo hipster this was four or five years ago i raised my hand and i said hey i think i can help and you know the the concept of geo hipster is something that that he really birthed inspired by a few other colleagues that we have out there. And all I've really done is shepherd it. And so it feels weird to me to have doors open for me by by taking on that role, whether it's doing this podcast with you or doing some other podcasts or just like attending State of the Map US conference last September. You know, I wouldn't have been able to really go to that conference without the work I do for GeoHipster. So, so that feels a little weird to me. It's really interesting to know that Sometimes when you open up a door and you volunteer for something, it can lead to other doors opening up for yourself. Well, I think that's a great lesson for everyone. I mean, get involved. You know, whatever your passion is, people should get involved. And it ties in well with your your point about trying new things. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the key goals of what we're trying to do here with GeoMob as well is just share exciting, interesting projects that people are are doing, be it for fun or for profit and uh, encourage people to get involved. So, yeah, yeah so, so what are some of the wacky things that you've come across though? What about your perceptions of the geo industry? Have they been challenged as a geo hipster or have you, you know, you've done it for a couple of years now, share, share the kind of long view. Yeah. I'm not really great at strategy per se for, for a long view, although I'm always open to, to new ideas. One of the things that's that's sort of weird to me that I've discovered is that sometimes the interviews I get the most excited about are the ones that don't turn out as as well as and as interesting as I thought they would be. Whereas others, I, I start out and I think this one's got some potential, but I don't know what it's going to be. And they end up being, you know, really, really excellent. So it's something that the unpredictability of the interviews and what's going to come out of them is something that I think is really, really interesting. And and to be clear, I think all the interview, interviews we've published have been interesting at some core level. And I think they've been a very interesting people. But there's some that have just blown my mind and others where I thought they were going to blow my mind when they started. And, and then when we finished, they did it. It was very much a lot like what I expected. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that because this is something I've also seen with GeoMob. You know, you know, our format is every time we have, you know, four or five people give different talks and, you know, ahead of time, the people and the topics and always there are some where you're like, oh, my God, that topic sounds amazing. And, you know, 
it sometimes it's okay or whatever, but but then there are topics where you think it's going to be boring, and for whatever reason, the person you know brings their passion to it, and they just do a great job presenting it, or they, there's a twist on it that you weren't expecting. We're yeah. like, oh my god, I wasn't, you know, I didn't anticipate that at all, and and so it, it can be very counterintuitive which ones stay with you and and where you learn the most from. So. Yeah, and and I think you know there's lots of skills that go into presentations and publications and sort of presenting yourself and branding yourself, you, you name it, uh, sort of marketing, whatever you want to call it. I think some people are good at, at all of those things. And some people are good at a presentation, but not so great at, at writing. You right. know, some people are really funny on Twitter, but not as funny when you sit down, you know, and do a deep interview. And that's, that's just life. That's just people that represents the very diversity of the types of folks that are out there. And that's something that's really, really fascinating. And and speaking of people, you know, GeoHipster has done more to actually validate my previous experiences with people than anything else, right? So I've been just really incredibly fortunate in my career. You know, it's it's going 20 plus years now. And I've always been amazed at the, the kindness of mentors and colleagues who have always just been willing to roll up their sleeves, help me out, chip in to get something done, show me the way, guide me, give me advice. And we have an amazing community, community here in, in Minnesota where I live around that. And my colleagues here embody that sort of ethos. But Geo Hipster has really shown me that like-minded folks, folks that are also willing to chip in and contribute to something positive, they're all over the world. You know, I, I've I've met them from not just the states, but but all over um, the world, different continents, uh, folks like yourself, and that's really incredibly joyous and uplifting for me. So, and and I feel really privileged as well, not only to have the opportunity to to work with Geo Hipster, but to pay that forward to people. Now, I have people coming to me for advice, and I'm mentoring others, and that's that's a lot of fun. Very true. I mean, that that's the the magic of projects for me, like uh, OpenStreetMap or or you know the open source software and stuff like that. Really cool people all over the world can get involved. Yeah, so, and, and you know, OpenStreetMap is one of those things that I probably would have learned about before GeoHipster without GeoHipster, but I probably wouldn't have been as excited about it and as interesting interested in it. You know. Um, I probably, I almost certainly, again, would not have gone to state of the map US. And so from a technology perspective, GeoHipster has really opened my eyes and expanded my sphere of understanding in our industry and my sphere of influence. So that, from that perspective, it's been really amazing. I, I don't think I was really in much of a bubble before because we do have a lot of folks here in where I live that tend to explore those boundaries and don't get stuck in vendor lock-in and so on. Um, but it's clear that my bubble, so to speak, is is that much bigger because of GeoHipster. All right. Well, that's a very positive note for us to to wrap things up on. So so what's the best way for people to get involved? If, if people who, who hadn't yet heard of GeoHipster, how should they how should they become GeoHip? Get, get involved and engage with us, uh, so to speak. Uh, really, I think Twitter's the, the most active place for us, um, either directly at the GeoHipster account or you know participate in a weekly discussion like GIS Chat. That's a really cool place that, that I tend to hang out uh, in every week. 
And that leads to some really fascinating conversations. Just the the threading and, and the craziness that goes along with Twitter conversations is really, really fun. If you think you want to be an interviewer, you know, if you want to try interviewing somebody, then get in touch with me. If you want to try your hand at sort of writing those questions and spotting the folks that are interesting, then definitely get in touch through the GeoHipster Twitter account, my personal account, mmdolbo, D-O-L-B-O-W. But also I'm just mike at geohipster.com. If you just want to get in touch with me with email, that works too. Very nice, Mike. Thanks very much for coming on the show. And uh, I wish you all good luck for a great 2021. All right. You too, Ed. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter where our handle is Geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future Geomob event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.